series. And if you're here for the first time, it's a great time to be here. It is called DNA. It's about who we are, our mission, our vision, our values. And last week we talked about our vision uh, as a church, what guides us, so to speak. And it answers the question, why? Why are we here? Why do we do the things that we do? Uh, The mission answers the question, what? What do we do? Uh, Values answers the question, how? How do we go about accomplishing the overall vision? Now, I realize with mission, vision, values, different companies, different they, they, they use them in different ways. This is just how we do it at Canoe Creek. Vision answers why. A mission answers what. Values answer how. And they guide us and direct us in all the decisions and all the things that we do here at Canoe Creek. And now there's way more to our mission and vision than we're going to be able to just simply share in a couple of short messages, right? But we're trying to hit the high points, trying to give people a perspective of who we are, why we do what we do, how we do it, and so on and so forth. And, and knowing why I should do something is typically a movement of the heart. It's a passion thing, right? I just got this deep urge and understanding of why this needs to get done, and I'm going to get it done. But knowing why I should do something is still a, a big leap from knowing what to do. Uh, what to do to accomplish it, to make it happen. So think about this statement. When we answer the call to be saved by Jesus, do we understand the call to be a disciple of Jesus? Simply stated, I say this all the time, you know, many of us are excited to call Jesus our Savior, uh, but some of us struggle with calling him our Lord. Uh, Lord and Savior is who Jesus is to us. He's the king of the kingdom for all eternity. And when we accept him into our lives, we accept him as both, not just one or the other. He is the Lord who guides and directs me as I am a follower of his. And he is the one who obviously saves me as well. We struggle with that sometimes. And we may like the idea of being saved by Jesus, but we may not understand this idea of being called to be a disciple of Jesus. Now, there's two main verses we're going to look at, two primary ones. One of them is the same one from last week, uh, which is a mission verse of the church, so to speak. And then another one is going to come up later. That's how we define a disciple. So jump with me, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Uh, Use your your phones if you're following along on the Bible app if you want to do that. Uh, If you don't have a Bible on you and you want one, look at the racks in front of you. Grab that Bible. And, uh, and, and then, you know, if you don't own a Bible and you need one, keep that one, take that one home with you. We're going to be in Matthew for both of our core verses. And I'm going to give you a bunch of other verses that are just going to be up on the screen this morning. So Matthew 28 verses 18 through 20, same verse from last week when we talked about vision. It also directs us in our mission. So let's take a look at this together. This is what we read. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so this idea and this command, as a matter of fact, we next Next service, we have four baptisms, which we're celebrating and excited to be a part of this morning. Um, And we find 
so much content in just a simple little statement, but it's one of the most profound statements that Jesus gave to us. And so, in a sense, we just simply say that we, we're called by God to share Christ with everyone, everywhere, in every way. And why do we do that? Because this text tells us Jesus has all authority, not just in my life, not just in my county, not just in my, in my world, but over the universe. He has all authority in heaven and on earth. Every knee bows to him, every tongue confesses to him at some point. And so we want to guide everyone everywhere and every way to know him to find freedom in him and to absolutely find purpose in the life that he's given us as well. And so this verse makes it clear that we, the church, right, are being called to help people connect to God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. Uh, and, and we see that this is done initially through uh, connecting with him in baptism and faith and repentance and confession. And then we're called to what? Teach people to obey everything that Jesus has commanded us, directed us, or taught us, led us, set examples for us as well. There's two big Bible words happening here. The word justification and the word sanctification. Maybe that's the first time you've ever heard those two words. Uh, they are biblical, they are in the scriptures, and they are embedded in the concept of what is taking place here. Both of them require you as an individual to be committed to God, to be faithful, saying, hey, God is my father in heaven and I'm gonna follow him, so I'm gonna commit to him. Just as that last song sang, it does not mean that we are perfect, we are prone to wander and we struggle with that, right? But we have a desire to be committed in following him. When we do that, justification takes place in our life. Sanctification takes place place in our life. Now, the general process of justification begins when someone hears the word of God. Look at what Romans says. How then can they call on the name they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. Uh, Jesus tells a parable at one point in his ministry. And he's talking about this guy who's very proud and he's praying and he's praying about this other guy over here on his knees saying, I'm glad I'm not like this sinner over here. The guy over there on his knees is very humble saying, Lord, you know, I'm so sorry, I'm a sinner. And Jesus has something to say about those two individuals. Listen to what he says in Luke 18, 14. I tell you that this man, referring to the humble man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. When an individual hears the word of God, they believe in the word of God, they humble themselves to the reality that I am sinful, I am unable to save myself, I absolutely need Jesus as my Lord and Savior and begin to submit themselves to Jesus as their king, then this justification can take place in their life. And it brings about the opportunity to be free of any guilt with sin. Listen to what Romans says. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
It's just interesting. I was just with somebody here recently and we were reminiscing about some stuff and we remembered a few people that just were people who never had any sense of peace. I mean, they didn't have peace with people. They didn't have peace with nature around them. They didn't have peace with themselves. You just saw it in how they lived. And it was, it was sad to watch. It's frustrating to watch. I wonder as we read that, how many of us in this room are struggling to say, I really do have peace with God right now in this moment. Whether it may be that you, you, you're burdening maybe a little bit of a difficult theology, thinking that you got to pay something or you got to do something in order for God to be satisfied with you and you don't really understand grace. Or it's just the other way around. You, you understand the concept of grace, but you want to do it on your own or whatever it may be, you know, and you, or you just don't want to do it. You know it's the right thing, but you don't want to engage. And as a result, you're kind of unsettled. You don't have the peace that this talks about as a result of the justification that we get through our faith in Jesus Christ. Now, the next part of this verse here in Matthew 28 that we're looking at is, is that Jesus instructs the church to teach people who are connecting their lives to God's kingdom to practice all that Jesus has commanded us. This is the sanctification part. This is the working out our salvation part, which is interesting. We partner with God but yet God is the one who is providing the power in the work within our lives to bring about justification, free of sin. I can stand before God and have peace with him. And also my life is changing, it's growing, it's becoming something different than I ever imagined it could be as well. Now, two things that sanctify us that are pretty clear, God's word, it's all over the place, John 17, 17, very clear about that, and the presence of God's spirit. When we submit ourselves to Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we receive the Spirit of God. And through knowing the Word of God and through allowing the Spirit to lead and guide us, living in us, it brings us to places we never thought we'd make it. It helps us to do things we never thought we would do. It helps us to become somebody we never imagined that we could ultimately become. And it's all supplied by the power of God's presence in our life. Look at what it says in 1 Thessalonians. May God himself... The God of peace sanctify you through and through. Uh, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. There's a very simple and linear thought in all of this. I, I tell you, our culture does not seem to have the capacity for simplistic linear thought anymore. But you know, if I believe God is the creator of all things and Jesus is the savior of the world and the eternal king, my disposition towards him is one of gratitude, thankfulness, peace, confidence, encouragement. You know, one where I know his promises are solid and true. And, and so, now, this does not mean I'm perfect. But it does mean I'm persistent in my faith. Now, this is something we need to understand. When it comes to the idea of justification, I can say that I'm perfect. I'm complete. I'm exactly what God would want me to be in terms of being justified before God. Because it's not me, in a sense, that's standing before God on my own two feet to say, hey, look at what I've done, God, therefore I'm perfect, I'm justified. No, it's me standing behind Jesus Christ as my advocate. And it's his perfection because I'm humbly accepting him as my Lord and Savior that makes me complete 
are perfect, you know, but in a sense of living life, right? We all struggle. We all fail. Love that song, Come Thou Fount, prone to wander. Lord, I know it. And, and so, but what, what is it that we do? Because of my disposition of who God is, what God has done for me in my life, I have a, I have a heart of gratitude and thankfulness. So I persist in, in knowing him, returning him, returning to God's word, returning to the leadership of the spirit in my life when I wander from it. Uh, because I know that that's where real true life is. This is the idea of repentance. Repentance is just simply knowing and understanding something, knowing this is what it's supposed to be, knowing that I've strayed away from it and I need to get back to it. And, and it's a change of the heart and a change of the mind to say, these things are important. Let me spend my time focusing in on these things. Let me tell you what, Dallas Willard uh, did some amazing work in the area of spiritual formation or discipleship. That is helping Christians know God, find freedom in God, and live a life that really glorifies God. And he made a great statement, I think sums this up to some degree. He said this, grace is not opposed to effort. It is opposed to earning. Earning is an attitude. Effort is an action. I thought it was a great statement. Grace is not opposed to effort. Uh, it is opposed to earning. What a great thought. Uh, think about that as we read this statement from Philippians 2, this scripture from God's word. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, even when daddy's gone, right? But now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That'd be a scary verse if it weren't for this last part. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. What an awesome statement at the core of salvation is justification. It is sanctification. And we submit ourselves to God, which is our part. And our trust that the promise of God's word is the spirit comes in our life and he will guide us to places we never could imagine and he will prepare for us things that we never thought we were, were worthy of, right? And, and we struggle with that. Like Romans 12 says, we're living sacrifices. The problem with the living sacrifices, we know how to climb down off the altar. And the heart full of repentance or penitent heart is the idea of, all right, I need to get back up there again, right? I need to get back up there again. And this is the work of justification and sanctification. Now, the second main verse is also found in Matthew. I would invite you to just jump more to the front of, the, of Matthew, the book, Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. I'm going to read verse 18 for you. We're going to pop verse 19 up there. This is actually in the NASB, New American Standard Bible. I think I said that wrong, but NASB. Um, uh, normally we use the NIV around here, but I really like the way this one's stated in a more literal translation of God's word. Uh, but listen to this, Matthew chapter four, verses 18 through 19. Now, as Jesus was walking by the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Simple statement but it is how we define a disciple at Canoe Creek Christian Church. Simply a disciple is someone who is following Jesus, being transformed by Jesus, and on a mission with Jesus. Uh, notice the second part, being transformed. I'll never forget when we were talking about this years ago and Joe Harvey, we, we had a statement, uh, transformed 
by Jesus. And Joe Harvey, one of our elders at the time, said, no, no, no. Uh, we are being transformed until the last day. <laughs> it's like, absolutely. So we made that, you know, a statement more of an ongoing process, no matter young or old or somewhere in between. It's constantly happening. Now, listen, this is a gauge. This is a way of, of guiding our hearts and identifying, where am I at? I say that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Is he? Or is he just your Savior? How is it that I'm following God more today than I was yesterday? How is it that I'm being transformed and I'm different now than I was five years ago? How is it that I've allowed him to capture my heart and put me on mission no matter where I am to share him with my world in that moment? It's a gauge. It's not a legalistic one, but it's definitely something that can help us define, help us identify, and help us measure ourselves in such a way that we can see who are we in Christ. I shared this with you a little while back, and it's funny that I'm doing it again today. The last time I shared it, my wife was out of town. This time, again, my wife is out of town. I don't know. Don't read anything into it. But, uh, you know, imagine I described you. I tell you how much I love my wife. And I describe her, for those of you who know her, and this description is way off. I describe her as shorter, black hair, very athletic, and she loves to surf. And you'd be like, really? You love your wife? Uh, that is not your wife. I know your wife better than you know your wife. You've been married to her for 26 years, right? But how true is that within our Christian culture today? People say, man, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. I go and I'll sing some songs or whatever. I love Jesus. I say, really, can you describe him to me? Scripturally, this says to know him, to be obedient to what he says. He said, they'll, they'll know me, they'll know you, Father, by how they love me, how they know me, how they practice what I've called them to practice, how they're obedient to me. Yeah, we have a Christian culture that I think we, we, we quick to say we love Jesus, but when it comes to actually knowing him, the question is, do we? So this, this is why Matthew 4, 19 for us is a gauge. It's a measurement of becoming and growing as a disciple, following him, being transformed by him on a mission with him. Recently, I was sitting in a room with a group of people and we were talking about how do we define this more precisely and how do we allow that to guide our process of building disciples at Canoe Creek as we are growing some core classes and more electives to help press people into a greater relationship with God here at Canoe Creek. Man, and let me tell you what, I've been saying this, I'll say it a hundred million times again, it's all true. I'm more excited about the future of discipleship at Canoe Creek than I've ever been in my entire life. I can't wait to see what's coming next year and the years ahead over this next five-year phase. It's going to be awesome and amazing. We were sitting in a room, we said, all right, follow, transform, and on mission. It's affecting the head, the heart, the hands, right? Or it's about the Bible, knowing God's word. It's about beliefs, being confident in what I believe. And it's about spiritual habits, practicing things that will help my heart form more around the identity in Christ. So we're just identifying some stuff, right? Like following God is somebody who's Bible engaged. They're communicating with God. They're engaged with the church. They're spiritual disciplines in their life, like fasting and prayer and other things like that. They're faithful people in terms of practicing baptism baptism and communion and giving. They have an attitude of personal devotion. They want reflection with God. Uh, they're engaged in worship. That's not just singing songs on Sunday. That's practicing being on that altar 24-7 in our lives, right? The idea of transforming the heart or the beliefs. That is, we're growing in our ability to trust. We're growing in our peace through confidence in God. Having a discerning heart. Taking all of our thoughts in everyday life captive to the glory of God. Uh, we have more of a growing sacrificial heart. More of an obedient heart. We're willing to suffer with and suffer for Christ. 
uh, some things that are practiced by somebody who is trans, being transformed by God. And the last one, the idea of missions, hands, spiritual practices or spiritual habits. We're exercising our gifts for God's glory. We're becoming more evangelistic in our life. It don't mean I'm standing on a street corner with a, with a sandwich sign, all right? You know, but it may be in various ways. Uh, discipling other people. We realize discipleship isn't I just come up and you tell me some stuff and I take content in, but we realize it's a two-way street. We have a sense of calling and what we're doing and a purpose in our life. And it's not just in specific vocations, every vocation we recognize how we can capture that to the glory of God, no matter what I'm doing. And we recognize that we represent Christ and we represent the church and all that we do. Just a few ways. We, we lined item these things out and say, hey, how can we measure? How can we gauge, you know? And we put some of those things down. Now, all of that really leads us to a very familiar statement at Canoe Creek. Connect, grow, go. Got to sum it up somehow, right? Got to make it simple. Got to make it memorable. Got to leave here with it on my heart. Uh, you know, we are a community that's helping people connect to God and his church relationally so they can grow in Christ spiritually so they can go out and share Jesus with their world. This is how our vision and our mission and then our values, as we'll begin to talk about next week, overlap. They're like a seven-layer bean dip. You know what I'm talking about? And that stuff's good, all right? Um, at the end of the day, when somebody is connected, they are more likely to get involved and they are more likely to engage and they are more likely to move beyond the surface level and grow. You know, we have events like Trunk or Treat, Generosity Project, stuff like that. We do some events that are more internally focused, some events that are externally focused, right? All of them are designed to, hey, give people the opportunity to connect in a way that they understand and where they'll get involved. And through that, people will start to press in deeper as a result. You know, this is good stuff. Listen, there's something that was happening before the pandemic, and it's starting to happen again a little bit, but we would have families come in from Columbia or somewhere in South America. And they would get connected here and they would love it here. But several of the family members maybe didn't have good grasp on English. And their primary heart language was Spanish. And I would watch after about three months, all of a sudden they would just disappear. Why? Because they're having a hard time connecting with their heart with other people. This is why over the next five years, we're going to press into uh, Spanish ministries and create a Canoe Creek expression of Espanol to help lead and get people connected in such ways that they're able to grow and get more involved here so that they can be discipled in Christ. Just one simple little example there. You know, we design spaces for people to grow, how we design a worship service to how we design a small group, to how we design our classes that are happening. All of these things are working out the best practices that we can to help someone experience spiritual formation, their heart being formed in Christ, their identity being formed in Christ. Let me just tell you something, personal example. Years ago, good friend, spiritual mentor to me, King Gemeinhart, was mentoring me, discipling me. He was a preacher at Inglewood Christian Church. And I'll never forget the day that he said, well, you know what, Ross? Um, there's going to come a moment in time where I can't take you any further, and you're going to need to go to Bible college. You're going to need to go to FCC, Florida Christian College, so on and so forth. And you know what? I'm, I'm so thankful that we have Johnson University right here in our backyard. We have a place like that where people can go and get greater and higher education in, in, if they have a desire to be in ministry. But I sat back and I thought about this recently. And I thought, but that's the role of the church, 
What if Ken was able to say, hey, you're going to need to step into this class, step into that class, step into this residency or whatever it may be. And maybe something that was partnered with a college or something like that, because that's the job that the church is called to do, to take people to that next level. Whether you just want to be a better person in your relationship with your spouse because you realize you are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, or you want to be a better boss or a better employee in your work, or you want to take the step into vocational ministry, all of it's important, all of it's ministry, it's just a different kind, right? To have actual things in place to help people do that. That's a role of the church. It's what the church is supposed to be doing. And it's what we want to try and engage in here at Canoe Creek. And, and it's our desire to create a culture of generosity and creativity. This is what Four St. Cloud's all about. It's not a program. It's not a momentary fleeting thing. It's about creating a culture to where every heart is impacted in such a way that we want to go out and say, hey, listen, God is for you. God is for this community. God's son was given for everyone. How can I display that ultimately in my life to where we create this culture where every day we're participating in the presence of God in my life and where I'm at? with a spiritually growing heart, helping other people connect to Jesus, using our lives and our gifts in a way to glorify our God. This is the why, this is the what of who Canoe Creek is and why and what we're trying to do in this community. And we're excited about the future and we're excited about people getting on board and involved with that as well. If you do not have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you know that's something, a step you need to take today, I would invite you to take it. Uh, if you know you need to take a next step in your faith to really press in because you've seen how a disciple is defined and you've said, well, I'm a disciple, but now you're like, well, wait a minute, maybe I'm not. I would invite you into taking that next step too with one of our prayer and decision partners or stopping back at the next steps booth to say, hey, I just need to get engaged. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for what Jesus said to us in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, uh, for the statement that he made in calling those who would follow him to himself. Lord, we ask that in the coming days and months and years ahead, that you would help us to champion this mission statement of your son, the last statement he left us with in the greatest way possible. Father, you, we, we ask that you'd help uh, our leadership here at Canoe Creek present uh, that vision and that mission with clarity that we understand next steps, that we understand where we can engage to grow more in our faith. Father, we ask that you would help take people from A to Z, that you would help people grow up as they get connected uh, to your son and following him and practicing the things that would engage them with your son, with you, with the spirit. And Father, that we would continue in our transformation and, and that we would continue in knowing how we can be your mission here uh, on, this, on this earth, Lord. Help us to do exactly what you would desire of us. Uh, help us to express you to other people in such ways that they see it, they get it, and they want it. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.